0: How's it going, everybody? The MMA series back. It's me, Joe, here. We've got fights, as there always has been and always shall be. UC 286 two weeks ago, and last Saturday, Corey Sanhagen fought Cheeto Vera. Both uh, really, really entertaining headliners. Uh, the trilogy fight between Leon Edwards and Kamaru Usman. Uh, really, uh, they're actually... Aren't fights this week? It's going to be a shorter episode it's because of that. Uh, there's a Bellator card tonight, actually headlined by two random heavyweights I've never heard of, and co made event Cat Zingano versus some girl. Uh, Snore, not interested, boring. Uh, there was a one card last weekend, Rod Tang fought, uh, Superlek, or didn't fight Superlek, he pulled out. He was supposed to fight him. Uh, Superlek, one of the best uh, Japanese kickboxers right now, apparently. Probably need to look into their work in case one decides to rebook that fight. But, let's get right into it. UFC 286, so I didn't really actually feel the need to run down any other fights than the ones that we previewed a couple weeks ago, because nothing else in that card was that interesting. But, Lerone Murphy versus LFA 5th champion Gabriel Santos... It was a really, really fun fight. A lot of it went down kind of how I predicted. Uh, Santos won the second round using his wrestling. As soon as he got Murphy to the ground, he was able to really implement his ground game and get after him there. Uh, But Murphy just pulled ahead on the feet in the third round and uh, managed to win the split decision. Of course, biased Londoner judging, as usual. But Santos did really, really good in the first round as well on the feet. He's a tough kid. Got good stamina. Uh... Lerone Murphy, though. Great fighter. Uh... Really, really... He blew, just a blue-chip prospect for the featherweight division moving forward. Uh... Mohamed Mokayev versus Jafel Filio. Uh... F- Jafel Filio? Filio. Something like that. Mokayev... It's kind of a weird fight for, like, a number 12 to fight this guy debuting in the UFC. And even before the fight i was significantly less impressed by uh jafel filo's record than i was impressed by gabriel santos's record. Uh, he had a lot of finishes on there, but he was really kind of content to just play out of his guard when he was on his back, which a lot of really really skilled jiu-jitsu players tend to do that, but in mma you get like you can maybe get like four or five really good chances off of your back, but you're not getting scored for that. You're you're losing top control with every second you spend in 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 your guard. So if you're not working the up, you're you're losing. Mokhayev got a lot of great takedowns across the fight. He got. I also got Filiu into his trademark position. He got on his back up against the cage. Filiu survived all three rounds, even though Mokhayev won the decision. Uh, and he actually did a little bit in round three that actually got Mokhayev striking. Believe it or not, I was surprised by that as well. But Makaev did really really good. Showed all of his skills. Uh, stayed composed. His gas tank showed up pretty well. I don't know. I guess you could say that they're like feeding Mokayev or like lining him up, easy fights or inflating his record and his ranking and all those might be true, but I think it's really good. And besides, when he gets to the top five of Flyweight, it's not like he's gonna be able to like fraud his way into a title shot. He's gonna have to fight a good guy eventually, so. Jack Shore versus MacWan Emricani, this is another one that I really do feel like I just straight up forecasted. When I did the preview podcast, uh, Amerikani spent a lot of the first round laying on top of Jack Shore, getting takedowns, getting uh, control time, dominating him on the ground. But as soon as the second round started, you could literally see Amerikani starting to take large gasping breaths. And as soon as Jack Shore managed to get a takedown late in, or towards the middle of the second round, when Amerikani was just completely gassed. He put his game to work, took out Emrakani's back, and got the rear naked choke. Really, really good performance from Jack Shore. Uh, moving up from 135 to featherweight, I'm not sure how he'll perform against somebody who's like a good wrestler in this division, but isn't like Emrakani, like somebody who actually has a gas tank that can go past two-thirds of a round, but Maquan Imerikani is not that guy. Size versus skill. Story of that one. Uh, and then this next one. See that sound? Hear those pages rustling? It's time to break out the paper notes, people. Marvin Vittori versus Roman say I said that I was a big fan of say's crazy, stupid run over the past couple of months. And I was going to be really, really sad when it ended. And I am really, really sad that his crazy run... Has ended, but Marvin Vittori really was the guy. He was kind of just factory stamped to be the person to end this streak. Uh, Vittori was doing a lot of just pressuring, really, with the jab and his lead kick. Uh, Delize was taking a lot of damage on his leg. Uh, Delize was doing some interesting stuff. Uh, In the first round, he was utilizing the stand switches a lot. He would like switch in to get closer to uh Vittori he was also loved to lead with his hooks which worked in the first round but just all all of his techniques kind of lost their power across three rounds and everything Vittori was doing stronger got sharper got better Delice did actually try to wrestle first so and Mar- Marvin uh did diffuse the single leg very elegantly yeah, that was pretty funny I, I didn't think he would be able to do what he did to Jack Hermanson, to Marvin Mettori, but you, you never know. Yeah, Marvin Mettori, leg kick, jab, 1-2. At least he didn't even look that tired by the third round. He was just getting out outworked. Ugh. Jennifer Maya versus Casey O'Neal. I, I might, maybe like, I don't know. I'm going to insert like a soundbite here or something. But like, the gate has been kept. Like, wow. <laughs> Like this sounds like an iron gate. She's like, meow. yeah, this is like a hinge closing. Because Jennifer Maya, she kept that gate, baby. Beat Casey O'Neill in the most boring of waves. No thoughts, no commentary, no opinion. Moving on. Uh, originally, Gunnar Nelson versus Daniel Rodriguez would have been a much better fight than this. But uh, Gunnar was a little bit before my time, so I had the only stuff I really watched him in. Was like stuff like the Leon Edwards fight where they spent a lot of time in the clinch. I hadn't really thought about him in a while. Gunnar Nelson has the goofiest stance in the world. There's like long, there's long, like bladed legs, like hands like at his waist and like far apart. It's it's so he, he looks like one of those pictures of like an old timey like boxer with like his, his fists angled upwards. But Nelson spent most of the beginning of the fight just circling around, even walked him down a little bit with that goofy-ass stance, believe it or not. But as soon as he pushed Barbarina up on the fence, he got both of his hooks in, essentially at the same time, and then took Brian Barbarina for a ride on the single leg, got him to the ground, worked the half guard, and then the side game was kind of like trying to step over to side control, but then stepped back into side side half guard. And then eventually did the full step over into mount. And this was, was like 30 seconds of the round left. Just boom. Immediately picked the arm bar for mount. Barbarina tapped out. Wham, bam. Thank you, ma'am. Byron Barbarina, you're mid. Time to turn this page of paper notes to Justin Gaethje versus Rafael Fazeev. This is a great fight. All action. Absolutely lived up to the hype, uh, and swung by Gaethje on some brilliant technical adjustments late in the fight. I'm a little worried. I'm a little stressed out that at Trevor Whitman's like compound in Colorado, there's some kind of like mystical energy, like swapping, like ceremony, like ceremony or like ritual where where Kamaru Usman Whitman lost the ability to jab, and and Justin Gaethje learned it like a Pokemon. Uh, I think it might have happened, but. Faziev, oh, tough guy. Super fast, uh, great chin. He literally looked like he had like his eye was gonna fall out of his head at the end of the fight and he was still in it. When I was watching it live at work, I was just kinda like bustling around and I didn't really get a much of a chance to like look at anything beyond like short striking engagements. But in the third round, Faziev looked I thought he was way, way more tired and like I thought he was way more of a stationary target than he actually was. He really was Still working late into the fight, Fazeev showed great body work early on, especially in the round in the first round. Uh, he loved that left leg, that lead kick to the body. He loved switching stances off of that kick. He loved just throwing it uh, naked. He loved setting up other stuff to throw it like at the end of a combo. Just Justin Gaethje, literally the first calf kick he threw, which once again I called it lead leg uh, calf kick to the left leg. Fazeev uh, reacted terribly. And Gaethje didn't throw too many, but every time he did throw them, they sounded like a gunshot, and they looked like they hurt. Over the course of the fight, Gaethje also became just way more comfortable in, like, the pocket. As he was willing to strike more and, like, string more combinations together, Faziv just, like, was not able to close in, and he started to throw less combinations over time. Gaethje also tried single legs. He was actually wrestling, believe it or not. I, once again, that was another... That's an X on my box because I was calling him out literally for not using his wrestling, you know, days before he decided to. Oh, yeah, I have this literally in my notes. The knees from Fizia, really, really good, like, knee in the clinch and then would hit an elbow off the break or, like, he would do, like, those little run-in knees where, like, you would grab a quick clinch, knee, and then push off or, like, knee moving in. I, I, I noted that and then noted that... a a tweet from Michael Chandler popped up that made me incredibly irritated. I just... something you, sh- you people should know. Uh, <laughs> Gaethje was told to clean it up at one point between the first and second rounds. And then like 35 seconds into the second round just started winging his hooks again and leading with his hooks. Oh, Funny, funny guy. But yeah, with three minutes left in the fight he just deployed that jab and started piecing up Fazeev. It just got right through his guard every single time. And when he started... Stringing it together with the rear uppercut, it was brutal. It's just doing so much damage, and just. There's definitely a world where Fazio won the fight, but that third round just felt so conclusive that it definitely swayed a lot of the judges, for sure. Oh, yeah, takedown. He got the cheeky little single leg right at the very, very end of the fight. Just a little cherry on top of that great performance from Gage. Great performance from both guys, honestly, but, uh. On to the next one. Page turning, page turning. The Trilogy, which he really he really lived up to his name because he pulled a, straight up a Rocky two here. Leon Edwards fought the fight that we all essentially counted him out on, the one that we all said that he couldn't fight, and he absolutely fought that fight. He's more active with the striking. He was throwing kicks and working the jam. He didn't concede the center of the octagon. He didn't spend half... He didn't spend, like eighteen minutes of a twenty five minute fight with his back against the cage or on his ass. He and he just generally fought with a level of confidence that impressed me when compared to like his low activity and his yeah, seemingly low act low conf, low low spirit. His spirit energy was low and drained at the end of that second fight. However, the entire narrative was wrong, everything I said was wrong, the whole media was wrong. Uh because winning four rounds against Leon Edwards did not help Kamaru Usman at all. And losing four rounds to Kamaru Usman did not take anything from Leon Edwards at all. In fact, Usman spent all five rounds of this fight horrified, petrified, shaking in his boots about the head kick. Which, to be fair, if I was him, I'm, I'd be nervous about him too. But every time Leon fainted the head kick or threw a head kick, uh, Usman would have just an all-hands-on-deck reaction to make sure that he was not taking a clean shin to the head yet again. There was... I really don't think the physical can be blamed for why Usman lost his decline, even though he did just generally fight a worse fight. he Definitely fought a... This is the worst fight he's given Leon Edwards across uh, 13 rounds. But at one point in the second round, he actually did get an old-timey classic, Kamaru Usman... He picked up the single leg and just twisted Leon to the ground. And I was like, you haven't done that in, like, five years, bro. Good for you. It was going Had some great moments. But it really does feel like a bit of a stretch to even call this a draw. With the, uh Leon got the point taken off or grabbing the cage. So, theoretically, if you gave Kamaru the third round, it be a 10-8. And then if you give him the second round, it would be a draw. But, I mean... It feels like way more of a case to just score this like a 49-45. Just give Leon all five rounds. I mean, that feels more likely to me than a draw. It's probably more people probably scored it five rounds to Leon than a draw, to be completely honest. That was the other thing that I said. The dark ritual where, like a Pokemon, Usman lost the ability to jab and Justin Gaethje learned... (laughs) <laughs> the uh, the dark ritual where Kamaru Usman lost the to jab he forgot it like a Pokemon and Justin Getchy learned it, uh he was not using this jab at all he's that physical like imposing force that was just it, uh, it was it, it was like gravity pushing Leon's back up against the cage in that second fight it was just not present at all he would just he would walk him down jab, uh and just. Leon's back would hit the cage every single time, and he would get just feast these easy takedowns. So he just kind of looked clueless when he had to. He was getting kicked in the body and kind of dinked off the head in the center of the octagon. He just kind of looked like he didn't know how to get Leon where he needed to go. Uh, and Leon had better takedown defense across all five rounds than in the second fight. Across all five rounds, he had great takedown defense. Leon did great work in the clinch. Leon fought excellently. I mean, it's unfortunate because I'm the, I'm the... I guess I used to be the Kamaru Ushman guy. I might have to like throw my uniform in the trash like Spider-Man. He might be just completely at the end of his career. He might be having his Tyron Woodley moment. I don't think he's having his Tyron Woodley moment, but Leon fought an excellent, excellent fight. And I'm going over my notes, and I don't think there's really anything... Else to say. I mean the great footwork from Leon circling around Kamaru, great get ups when he did get taken down, he got up fast. He didn't spend a lot of time on the ground. I mean, it's just a great, great fight. That's UFC two eighty six though. Uh, front this front to back is I'm gonna get it. Uh time for a little bit of the news N-n-n-n-n- news. So at some point in the last week. Dana White once again had an interview where he stepped out to defend Colby Covington's spot as number one contender. And I just, the welterweight division is in a fantasy land. It's insane. It's crazy. Uh, Colby has just been like raging since UFC 286. He apparently gave an interview where he said that he didn't want John Ennick's kids to grow up without a father. Insane. But this, like, the division of delusion is going to get another spark on the powder keg because if Jorge Masvidal beats... Gilbert Burns, which I don't think he will, but if he does, Leon and Masvidal, they're star-crossed. Like, Leon is called for the title shot if Masvidal wins, and Masvidal is called for the title shot if he wins. If I, Obviously, Gilbert will also stake a claim if he wins this fight for a title shot, but I don't think he's going to be enough to get him past Colby. I think the only person who can jump Colby in the line right now is fucking Jorge Masvidal knocks out Gilbert Burns with a flying knee or something crazy. Ugh. Oh. And it's like Shafkat, Bilal, Hamzat, even Usman, when he does come back, it's just they're all, all a mystery. Who knows what the UFC is going to make for them because they're not even sniffing the title right now, I guess. It's all Colby. The other uh, fight on UFC 287, though, uh, Li Jingliang is out of his fight with Michael Chiesa, which would have been fun and also just a nice little sorter for the middle of the top ten. I'm not sure if the UFC can get a replacement by then. As of this recording, eight days out, they still have not gotten a replacement. And then apparently, the other last thing that we found out, a little bit of a controversy in tradecraft, the UFC offered Umar Nurmagomedov a contract with Muram, even though Muram had already like informed them. They knew Muram had had injuries from the on-fight and needed to take time off. Crazy. More Dana White... Nuttery happening again, happening every day, happening by the minute. Uh, that's about everything I have. Uh, no like announcements for like any new uh main events or like any new pay per views. But speaking of schedule, UFC fight night, Cheeto Vera versus Corey Sandhagen. Now, I that's there's a reason why I didn't do a podcast for this last week because it was not interesting to me at all. Let's turn the page of the paper notes though talk about Nate Landwehr versus Austin Lingo. Really not that interesting across the first round. And Austin Lingo did hurt Nate Landwehr. He like touched him up. Uh, he was pressuring. He did cut him. But Nate Landwehr is really, really good in the ground. I didn't really realize how good of a grappler he is. But once he got him taken down, uh, he got in the choke and got him out of there immediately. Good for you, Nate Landwehr. Holly Holm versus Yana Santos. Yana Kunitskaya. That's, I guess, what she's more... Popularized as because that's what she fought for a title as, but she's married to Tiago Santos actually, so she's Yana Santos now. And that's what UFC has her promoted by uh, another snoozer that I did not get a chance to watch live. But as I just like kind of skimmed through it, Holly Holm took Yana down like five times. That's the thing about these veterans, like the same thing with Jennifer Maya and Casey O'Neill, these old girls just can get, like, easy trips and easy takedowns, and then they're smart enough and savvy enough to just lay on these other girls for the whole round. And then they they just pull out easy, grinding wins. Oh, it's brutal. It's really, really brutal out here. If you're a fan of women's MMA, which, I mean, I am at the highest levels, but if you're, you're really, like, somehow, like, I don't know, like, dedicated to, like, watching, like, as many women's MMA fights as you can, I'm so sorry. For how the UFC treats you. Main event though. That's the sound of paper turning because I took paper notes on the page for this fight. Corey Sanhagen versus Cheeto Vera. Unfortunate because I feel like there's just not really much to talk about. Corey, I mean, he really outworked Cheeto Vera all fight long, all night long, in essentially every single area. And Cheeto has good cardio and a good chin, so he kept in it in terms of just taking punches. And, like, the stancing and just being in the center of the cage and making it look competitive. But he essentially never got his offense going. And Corey ripped him to, into him in every single way with every opportunity he got. The jab, the body work, the offensive wrestling. But, I mean, he was striking in combination. He was striking quickly. He was moving in and out. He was switching his stance. He was just... He just styled on Cheeto for five straight rounds, essentially. <sighs> really, I mean, well, that's been Cheeto's style, and I love Cheeto. Fellow Cheeto heads, it it might be over, but we're we're always going to have the Rob Font fight, because I I mean, I'm a big fan of his skills, and just, he's kind of a shitster, but I'm still a big fan of him. (laughs) I'm still a fan of the guy, I still like him. But... His style is, you know, landing the bigger shots and taking one to hit one, waiting on the counter. And he's gotten slower over the years, recently, but he's seen so much success with this run, fighting the way he has, that, I mean, he was walking around Corey all five rounds looking for that counter and just never got it. So, and I mean, he wasn't that great off his back when Corey took him down in the first two rounds, Corey was just laying on him inside in uh, half-guard, just stanced up and just raining down punches for almost like two and a half minutes in the the first round. Uh, And then I guess, like, I mean, four and five, Cheeto started to be more active just a a little bit, just a tad, and Corey started to slow down just a little bit. But, yeah, I mean, mean, somehow one of the judges... We keep a split for Cheeto. They gave him three rounds, which is... It's crazy. Just Corey outstruck him like three to one. It's legitimately nutty to know that this person, that some, some judge out there scored it three rounds for Cheeto. Okay, sidebar addendum. We actually did have a piece of news. There was this uh, Fury uh, FC fight the night before Vera versus Sanhagen. Hagen where this fighter got put in a triangle choke and passed out and the referee didn't stop the fight because he somehow didn't see it and everybody was begging for him to stop the fight and the other fighter, because he knew the guy was out, he switched to an arm bar and the guy in the arm bar woke up to find his arm getting broken and then the commission in Texas, the athletic commission, let that judge be odd. Or let that... Okay. The guy woke up to get his arm broken and then the Texas Athletic Commission made that referee, from that fight, a judge on the UFC card that night. Ridiculous. Okay, sidebar over. Uh, yeah, Cheeto getting three rounds is nutty. But his guard was good. He kept the high shell. And that's the other thing about Chido's style. There probably are, were some shots in this fight that looked like they were landing from Corey that weren't landing. But Corey was just throwing so much and so often that He completely just overloaded Cheeto, and Cheeto never got the counter that he wanted. And that's the thing, is that Corey threw less combos and less pressure in the face of about 15% 15 more offensive pressure from Cheeto. Cheeto was still getting vastly outstruck, but just a little bit. Just turning up the pressure dial, just a small amount changed the complexion of that fight on the feet, even though Corey was still winning crazy. I don't know. I mean, hopefully Cheeto gets, he doesn't fight like Yon or somebody next. Hopefully he gets a softball lobbed up at him from somewhere in the lower top 10 or the top 15 or something. I just want to see Cheeto have good fights and like beat on people, but he wants to actually make title runs and it's like, buddy, I don't think you know why I actually like you, Cheeto Vera. I don't, I don't think you know at all. Honestly, and checking the, once again, let's do it Russell, checking the paper notes, I don't think I've got anything else left to say about this fight. Uh, We've got Adesanya versus Pereira next weekend, and I'll be back with a preview pod about that, but I think my work here is done. My name is Joe. Uh, This has been the MMA Frequency. Bye bye I see my DNA they all in y'all beats Talk.